Welcome to Parent to Parent, real-life tips to raise resilient kids. A podcast from Communities That Care of Greater Downingtown. This is Chrissy Jambowski, and I have two young kids. And I'm Beth Ann Sinelli, and I have two adult kids. Together, we'll meet with experts and fellow parents to share personal stories and provide support and actionable steps to strengthen your family and raise healthy kids. We're glad you're here. Let's get started. Welcome to Parent to Parent. This is Chrissy. This is Beth Ann, and today we have back visiting us for part two from Karen Treatment Centers is our friend and colleague, Selena Moresi. And in part two of this podcast, we're going to continue our conversation about vaping. So if you did not hear part one, please go back to episode 31. And we did some introductory information about vaping, about vaping devices, about nicotine, um, about amounts of nicotine and some of the additives that are included in in vaping or aerosols, which Mm -hmm. Selena pointed out is probably way more appropriate of a term than the vaping term is. So please go back to episode 31 for the background information and also we talked a great deal about addiction and the adolescent brain development related to vaping so that's a really important um, podcast episode if you're not really familiar with sort of the the content the basic information around today's vaping devices Um, so selena thanks welcome back to part two of the vaping conversation thanks for having me back so we're going to continue with our myth fact setup to to get as much information to you all, to our listeners, um, as succinctly as possible. So let's jump right back in with our first myth or fact. So Selena, is a vape, well, it's supposed to be myth and fact, so I guess I should say this is a statement. So a vape is less harmful than other tobacco products. So this is a myth, but it is it is kind of a loaded <laughs> question. It's a harder question to answer, right? Um, because when we look at the history of vaping devices, they were first promoted as harm reduction, right? right. Um, I, you know, at the time when they came out, I was working with adults doing nicotine cessation with them. And we were super curious about this because it was really promoted as a way to help them quit using traditional tobacco. Um, But what we found is that of adults who were using cigarettes and traditional tobacco use, only 3% made that switch. Mm. And so we very quickly saw that the industry changed who they were marketing to. We saw that in their flavors, their products. And, you know, we saw that very quickly adolescents really kind of took up this product. Um, So we know that e-cigarettes for in general, um, you know, they do contain fewer toxins than a cigarette. Um, but they still contain heavy metals, carcinogens, cancer causing chemicals. They contain high, high levels of nicotine that are, um, you know, causing our adolescents to, to become addicted to these products very quickly. So when we say harm reduction, um, you know, when we look at the history of use among young people, they were not using tobacco products. Mm-hmm. We saw a massive decrease in tobacco in, in nicotine use among our teens and among our young people. So when this came into the market, we saw an uptick and we saw a pretty quick uptick. So that's the harm too, right? We were seeing people use it. We were seeing young people use so much less. And and this increased that those numbers dramatically. So the harm lies not only in the product, in the nicotine, in the ca- chemicals and carcinogens and heavy metals, but it also lies in the behavior change and the fact that teens are now using nicotine at a much higher rate than they were before. 
And it kind of goes back to what we talked about in part one, just about how, you know, it's viewed as less hard. Like the marketing and branding of it has been very smart where kids, and I think a lot of the general population, because you don't know what you don't know, identify it and say, well, it's not as bad bad as cigarettes, but clearly there's ways in which it's much worse. (laughs) So, and especially with this dependency piece and the speed of dependency. Yeah. The other component too that people aren't educated about is they'll say, oh, there's 7,000 chemicals in a cigarette. And that's true. And and they'll say, but there's only five ingredients in a vape. Um, And there is propylene glycol, vegetable glycerin, water, nicotine, and flavor. There's five ingredients in a vape. But when you you aerosol them or when you vape them, that's when the chemical reaction occurs. And that's when formaldehyde comes in. And that's where these heavy metals come in. So they can advertise and say, we only have five ingredients. But they're not educating people about the fact that as soon as you vape those right. five ingredients, you're, cre- you're creating a chemical reaction that produces carcinogens and heavy metals and all these other things. So, yeah, it, it's it's about marketing, too. Wow. So one moment on this marketing thing, because, again, being the oldest person in the room and going back to marketing of tobacco. Oh, yeah. You know, one of the things that it, this is, you know, so when we used to talk about how the tobacco industry before it diversified into food and everything else and lost its, its customer base for a number of reasons, one being death. But what we, right. What we realized is, Oh, wow. They always marketed to women was Uh intentional, right? It was always intentional that they were going to market to younger population. They're always going after groups that they thought they were easy targets. Right. So if it was, if it was, you know, minority groups in some way, if it was any disenfranchised group, that's who they were always going after. Right. And it was sort of really insulting and infuriating and sort of very abusive to the, to the population, to the subgroups that they were marketing to switch it to where we are now. And Chrissy just said this about the clever marketing and Selena, you just said 7,000 ingredients in cigarettes Five. But, hey, we're just going to leave out the part about the aerosol and how it changes that. You know, youth, I find, I find them to think they think they're the smartest people in the room. And, and, you know, they're invincible and they're infertile and they're immortal and they're everything, right? You would think they would be offended if they were so smart and such critical thinkers and, and just so, you know, have their, have their act together, that they would be really, really furious that they've been sort of duped Mm -hmm. that, you know, if they thought about this for like one second, but they don't because they're my, you know, again, they're, they're 16, they're 17, they're 18 years old, whatever they are, can't really do that critical thinking piece to sort of be insulted and offended that, Hey, you know what? I'm not as dumb as you think I am. And no, I'm not going to use this product. That's doing all of these other things to me. Um, So the marketing is just, it's, it's, that's why I feel like, when we talk about the FDA or we talk about regulations, somebody's got to step in. I'm not always a fan of legislating behavior. However, when people can't seem to be protected, they can't protect themselves. Mm-hmm. It's like we have to kind of go to the macro level to protect them because at the micro level, they're just so sold on and don't realize how yeah. insidious this messaging is yeah. to them, to their health, to their future, to their all of that stuff. So the marketing piece to me can really really bothers me the intent the intentionality you know but not showing that but it is that because it's all about the consumer and it's all about the making that money so totally i feel like that's got to be part of this whole education piece too is do you realize what they're doing here 
Yeah. You know? I mean, we, 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 there's a component in our presentation yeah. when we're talking to fifth graders, when we're talking to sixth graders, where we show them the progression of the products. They used to look like cigarettes. Yeah. And and that was when they were targeting adults. And they very quickly changed the way they looked. They very quickly changed the flavoring. It was, it was really clear who they were marketing to. So our next myth or fact is this. There's no evidence that vaping leads to using other substances. So this is definitely a myth. Um, we show that there's actually a link that the, you know, potentially people that uh, use vape, young people that use vape on a regular basis are four times more likely to potentially smoke traditional cigarettes. Huh. Um, they are three times as likely than non-vapers to use alcohol. They're eight times as likely uh, to use THC products and 22 times as likely to use cocaine. Wow. Wait, 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 hold on. Stop the bus. You say that again? 20, say it again. An adolescent, go ahead, tell me again. The adolescents that that vape Uh are four times more likely to actually use traditional tobacco at some point in their life. Uh So cigarettes. They're three times more likely than non-vapers to use alcohol. Uh, Eight times more likely to use THC and 22 times more likely to use cocaine. Wow. That's yeah. you, significant. Because you would expect, not that I would expect, but you would think, okay, cigarettes, I could get. Marijuana, mm. smoking, mm, it's all smoke. I get it. But when you throw cocaine in there, you throw in another substance that is, you know, like yeah. that. It's like, wow, in comparison, we're talking about a little vape device and we're talking that, yes, there is a relationship or connection to an increased use of cocaine. Yeah, yeah. After use. I mean, this is largely due to the fact that yeah. you know, when we look at the, the adolescent developing brain, yeah. um, that learning process that we talked about in that last episode, um, you know, you're teaching your brain that when you add the substance, it increases dopamine. And what increases dopamine more than cocaine? Cocaine. No, yeah. Right. You know, it- uh, so it's that stimulant yeah. effect like no, like nicotine. Nicotine's a stimulant, you know, and it has a it, it, cocaine's also a stimulant. So there's there's definitely um, it has to do with adding that substance to a developing yeah. growing brain that you're 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 <laughs> teaching it something. And just as an aside, we know, <laughs> right, dopamine is our feel good endorphins you know, neurotransmitters that make us feel good. There's other natural ways that you can get a nice hit of dopamine because we also, I mean, some things that have come up in other episodes that we've done, kids that are using their phones and social media gives you a dopamine hit. Getting likes Mm -hmm. gives you a hit of dopamine. Like trying to see in there what's going to come up in your feed. It's the surprise, right? Video games Mm -hmm. gives you a hit of dopamine. Substances gives you a hit of dopamine, right? But also- There's other things that you can do to also get those happy, feel good things. Exercise, being with loved ones and friends, seeing a funny movie and laughing really hard, being outside, you know, winning a race or a soccer game. Like there's other natural ways to light up those reward pathways and get that that hit Mm -hmm. of dopamine released in your brain to feel good. It's just that's a piece of this, too, of you know, how are, as just an aside, and we have, I'll try to find episodes we can link up where we've talked about this, but just healthy coping, healthy Mm -hmm. rewards, right? So that you don't necessarily have to seek substances in order to get that lift. And the other thing that's, you know, really difficult about seeking substances to get that dopamine hit is that, you know, unlike hanging out with friends or watching or laughing with someone, when that dopamine returns to normal, 
after you've hung out with somebody, it returns to normal, right? right? It returns to your baseline. However, when you use cocaine or when you use nicotine, it's going to, you're going to start to get in that cycle that we talked about before, where you're, where you're falling below baseline. Like you're seeking out a way to unnaturally rise your, your dopamine again. So it, it's hijacking your system because it's making your baseline lower. So then you're going to, it's even harder to get it back up again. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And we see this, you know, we see people that, that, that really, you know, for lack of a better word, injure the reward systems by long-term substance use. So, uh, you know, that concept would, would uh, potentially apply here too. Okay. Selena, we did in this whole conversation, bring up THC and marijuana Mm -hmm. and how youth are using vapes to access these different substances. So we are going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we'll talk more about that. Chrissy, is that you? Cheryl, oh my gosh, how are you? Good, I was just thinking about you. I've been missing the days when we used to hang out with the kids. I miss those days too. Parenting isn't getting any easier. I wish I could connect with other parents like I used to. Have you heard that our CTC parent-to-parent peer support groups are ready to start? They are? Tell me more. Well, CTC already does a lot for parents and youth in the Downingtown community. Now they're starting parent support groups. Would you like to come with me? There's a new topic each month, and it will be a relaxed and casual conversation guided by a parenting professional. I'm expecting it to be much better than searching on Google for an hour. Oh, you do that too? Yes, I'd love to join you. Fantastic. I'll text you the link, but it's easy to remember. It's dtownctc.org. Then click the parent to parent tab and choose peer support groups. Listen, I'm going to run, but let's definitely plan to go together to the next session. That sounds great. I'm so glad I saw you today. I'll look for your text for the info about the parent to parent peer support group. All right, friends, we're back. And so we did want to include in this episode, this part two, information about vaping other substances aside from nicotine and flavors, plus some myths about tobacco products and resources for help if your child is using vape products. So related to all these different topics, our first myth or fact related to this is, Selena, is vaping THC or marijuana safer than smoking it? It is not safer. So I would definitely say that it's a myth to assume that it is, right? Um, just like vaping tea or just like vaping nicotine, it is an aerosol product, right? It's an aerosol process rather. Um, so all the chemicals that are present, all the carcinogens, the heavy metals that are present in the vaping process or the aerosol process um, also applies here. But the real concern too around THC, um, in addition to vaping it, is that the, the levels of THC, the levels of THC in a cannabis product, when you vape it, the levels are higher, right? Um, when we look at just the, the history, give you a little quick history lesson on THC, because I love to talk about it. Prior to 1960, um, Cannabis products had less than 5% THC, 1960 to 1970, about 1% jump. Um, 1980 to 1990, 3 to 4% THC in our cannabis products. Right now, uh, if you vape it, it's 40 to 99% THC in these products. So what we're finding is that this is certainly, these levels of, T, of uh, THC are causing problems with memory, learning, problem solving, distorted perception, uh, increased risk of mental illness, substance use disorder. And the um, one that we're seeing on a rise right now is uh, cannabis hyperemesis syndrome. What is that? So this, 
So yeah, this is a this is a new one that we're we're pretty concerned about. It's a condition that are, that it's occurring more and more often with these high levels of THC. We're we're um, we're we're hearing about it at high schools. Um, we're seeing students who are reporting vomiting, nausea, dehydration, pretty significant weight loss, lots of abdominal pain. So if they're coming into the nurse complaining about lots of stomach aches, lots of vomiting, that kind of thing, and frequent ER visits because it's it's a it's a syndrome. It's okay. a, it's an in, it's the effect of yeah. using these THC products. So, so this like, article, New York Times, about this yeah. big article, and actually, yeah, not that long within the past year, actually, and there was a family that couldn't figure out what was wrong because they didn't know their child was vaping yeah. uh, THC, and so didn't put two and two together because nobody thought that it went together. And then when that was finally, after I guess multiple ER visits and multiple like trying to figure out what's the mystery illness. And realizing she was vaping THC, that's when they finally were able to put that connection together. Yeah. That's wild. Like it's, it's, but also, and just to kind of reiterate, so like as a person who was in middle school and high school in the nineties and early, very early first couple years of two thousands, um, like the marijuana that existed back then that kids adolescents teens would use was like between like one to five percent thc more or less three to four, three three to four. four. Mm-hmm. and the thc constant okay to just frame that out and then the thc concentration now with if you choose to vape it is 40 to 90 percent 99 99 and so, and we've never seen this before, oh, wow. right? So we really don't know. So that kind of also leads me to another thing that I feel like I've heard other parents say, um, other adults say, just like, well, I use marijuana when I was in high school and college and like, I'm fine, look at me, which very much is likely very true in a fact. However, the marijuana that existed then was totally not the same product at all that students are using now it's like you can't you you can't really compare them at all because it's so different yeah it's like a different drug yeah yeah Yeah. man for sure wow having these you know these new effects these you know the cannabis hyper emesis you know we're syndrome we're seeing new effects that we've never seen before yeah psychosis I wanted to ask, yeah. actually, did you, can you speak to um, the psychosis and schizophrenia data that's coming out related to yeah, THC I, usage? Um, I can speak to this psychosis data or the, at least the psychosis, not the data, but the experience really. I mean, most of the kids that come in for treatment also have psychosis associated with, with their, uh, subs- their um, cannabis use disorder diagnosis. So um, it's becoming a fairly common thing in people that are seeking young people, adolescents that are seeking treatment. Um, it seems to be that the majority of them are coming in with some level of psychosis too. So it's really becoming more common. Can you explain um, what psychosis is for people that don't know what yeah. that is? Distorted perception, um, sometimes paranoia, sometimes hallucinations. I mean, it, it can be pretty disturbing. Um, you know, it, somebody is really kind of detached from reality at that point if they're experiencing psychosis from cannabis use. Yeah, I would be. I mean, this is the thing that concerns me most when we talk about vaping, the nicotine piece and everything we talked about on part one, especially just like made my little brain explode but also it's it's the thc piece because to me just having this link um and i can find data and studies to put in the show notes about this too but 
the link to psychosis. And, and as far as schizophrenia goes, there is some emerging evidence that shows that if schizophrenia runs in your family, um, especially you, a person may be at heightened risk for developing schizophrenia early or at all um, it, by using at, by using THC products, these high level mm -hmm. THC products and marijuana. And then of course that only amps up the risk even more, the younger that you start using because of that developing brain piece. So, I mean, these are, these are serious mental health diagnoses that if you can prevent them, if you can avoid them, you want to do so. So that to me is the most risky when we think about vaping and with T and, and the THC and marijuana products that are out there now. This might be um, a little dated because we um, can sort of remember early on that vaping was kind of also linked to these these hookah bars, and and this was sort of a social socialization, I guess that was um, that was linked with with vaping. So um, myth or fact, when compared to a single cigarette, hookah smoke is known to contain higher levels of arsenic, lead, and nickel. Yeah, I mean. For sure, it does. Um, we're actually seeing that one sort of hookah session, so to speak, um, is really actually compared to, it's, it's 100 to 200 times more exposure chemicals, carcinogens, heavy metals than than a cigarette. Um, so yeah, because, and we're also seeing, and I always say this when I'm educating you know, kids about this topic, there's also an increased chance of, you know, you're sharing something with someone, you're sharing something at a hookah bar, maybe they didn't change out that mouthpiece, yeah. maybe they didn't clean that product, you know, so you're increasing your chances of COVID, you're increasing your chances yeah. of getting the cold, the flu, herpes. I mean, yeah. oh, there's one. That's yeah. one that should scare youth away. Yeah. yeah. Worry about having herpes outbreak. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of risks to use. Uh, and, and, you know, kids still are curious about this. They get kind of fascinated about this. So, yeah, it's still, it's not quite, we don't see heavy hookah users that often, but it's definitely still something that, you know, when we're thinking about that progression, that exploration of nicotine use, you know, once somebody starts to vape, they start to become curious sometimes about other products. Um, hookah yeah. is definitely one they become curious about. For our next myth and fact, Selena, say your child is smoking traditional cigarettes and they do want to quit. So myth or fact, e-cigarettes or vapes can help a teen quit smoking. Yeah, I think this whole sort of perception is a myth, right? Because teens don't start out smoking traditional tobacco. They start out vaping. We sometimes see that the flip where they will explore after vaping for an extended period of time, they might explore other tobacco products as a way to get nicotine. But we really don't see any teens starting out using traditional tobacco. They're, they're starting out um, vaping. So, um, you know, kind of throwing back to that idea of, um, you know, how it was first advertised, how it was thought of as a harm reduction tool for adults, but adults weren't interested in this. Um, it's never really been something, even for adults, it's never really been something that people have used for that switch. Most people are using it um, for its intended purpose, which is delivering nicotine. I know what I was thinking about with your, your response, Selena, this, you know, what came first or what might come first. Yeah. So if, if adolescents are starting vaping first, which seems to be the trend, actually, I think then yeah. going to cigarettes would probably not be, it is, it's lesser. I mean, there's no aerosol there because if, if you're saying that one of those um, disposable vape devices can have upwards to two packs of cigarettes in them. Yeah. I mean, 
there, there's some data that says that they're switching, but to be honest, like none yeah. of the kids I know are actually. I don't think they would. I, right. Yeah. Like it just seems like that would not, that's not what we're seeing because I'm more likely driving around or being wherever I might be to see kids, you know, under the age of 18 vaping. Yeah. I'm not seeing cigarettes hanging out of their mouth. No, they're not. And I think it might be important to say here, like most people are really just continuing to vape. Yeah. That's what I I feel like. Yeah. It's not really something that we're seeing that switch um, that often. And we're just certainly not seeing kids start out with it. Um, Most, most people, once they vape, they're continuing to vape, which is like the throwback from before where once people were smoking traditional tobacco use, they were reluctant to switch to vapes. Exactly. What they know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I just find that whole, the the trend piece of this is, is really interesting. You know, as far as with adolescents, I think we sort of patted ourselves on the back as these tobacco rates declined and, you know, we were like, yay, yay us. Um, but it just just goes to show you how fast the industry is so much quicker than we can ever respond in public health that they were able to just, Hey, we got a new product to keep ourselves going here. And, you know, you can't have a rest in prevention or intervention. You just can't rest on the fact that, Oh my gosh, we did so good. Look, our rates are down. And now, Nope, there's this new product that's taking the place. So there's never any rest in public health (laughs) and, uh, and prevention. And as I always said, over 40 years, there will always be a job. Well, will always be <laughs> a product that, that, that somebody outside of our field has thought of. Yeah. That is, is going to sadly, sadly be something that we have to look at again. So, yeah. um, I do think though, also, and maybe Selena, I don't know if you can speak to this. I do wonder though, what's the percentage of, of kids, teens that start using vapes in like college age, like maybe their first years of college, because I feel like that is a thing. Like I, I do, yeah. I, I don't know if we, I know we focus a lot, obviously here on middle schoolers and high schoolers, but I can just say just from experience and observations among, you know, teaching as an adjunct at a, at a higher ed, um, that I do feel like it's still, the behavior still continues into college. Yeah. I mean, I don't, to be honest, I don't really know the percentage that start in college. It definitely continues into college. Mm-hmm. Um, when we ask age of first use, for like when we're doing our cessation classes, our cessation groups rather, um, when we ask age of first use, it really is generally 11, 12, 13, 14. Okay. Um, is the first time they're using nicotine. Okay. Um, so, you know, that kind of points to the fact that, hey, we should be looking, we should be having these prevention messages in fifth grade. And we should be talking about these, this at a much younger age um, because, yeah, age of first use tends to be pretty young. And they're, they're probably, they're, most of them are carrying it into college. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know the percentage that would start in college, but it is something that we're seeing kids start at a younger age. Okay. I was just curious. Um, yeah. Okay. So our last myth or fact for this podcast episode, we always like to talk about resources. We always like to talk about, you know, how to get help. Um, so I want to make sure that we, that we provide this information for our listeners today. So if young people are twice as likely to succeed in quitting smoking, vaping, when enrolled in a smoking cessation program. Is this a myth or is this a fact? It's very much a fact. Um, they are twice as likely. And, you know, that really has a lot to do with the, with the idea that 
when they're in a cessation program, we're working through, like, let's look at the reasons why you chose to do this. Let's look at the reasons. What were you trying to, you know, a lot of times it's peers and a lot of times it's curiosity, but it's also like a lot of them are seeking out ways to deal with stress and anxiety. And they're told this is the way to do it. Um, so we explore healthy options with dealing with our, our bigger, more uncomfortable emotions. We explore, you know, what do we do with our peers? How do we handle our peers that are vaping? Um, what how we help them identify supports, healthy supports, healthy people that can reach out. So there's a lot of, you know, a lot of work done internally. There's a lot of um, ways that we help them connect the dots on a, you know, like let's make some healthy choices. And even as much as like, how much sleep do you get a night? Oh yeah. What is your diet like? You know, let's look at at building your resistance to adversity um, so that you can like that. Yeah, you can bounce back better and you don't necessarily need this. And the same as like with any other substance, you really have to step back regardless of what your age is, right? You really have to step back if you're using a substance and starting to question your relationship with it. You have to step back and go, hmm, what's the root cause here? Is it because I'm anxious, bored, depressed, need like, like there's usually some other thing stress mm-hmm. like it happening and then that's really what needs to be looked at and I love that your cessation groups touch on that so much because I think also you have to have empathy because even thinking about this you know if there's a student that's dependent on nicotine and they're vaping right and it's gotten to the point where they have to use it frequently and maybe they're bringing it into school and getting in trouble because they're vaping in the bathroom, right? To have empathy for them. Because it's not that they're, I, I would be, give them the most generous interpretation of their behaviors, right? Mm-hmm. Because likely they probably don't want to be vaping as much as they are. But physiologically, their body's like, hey, we're starting to withdraw, feeling real stressed. You got, you, yeah. we need another dose of yeah. this in order for you to make it through your math class or your Spanish class or whatever it is and to be able yeah. to focus, right? Because again, also it's a stimulant. So it probably, there, there's probably a little bit of a benefit there, right? Because you're waking up, being able to like hmm, pay attention and focus along with yeah. making those withdrawal symptoms go away. So I think yeah. that's an important piece of this also is having empathy and looking at those root causes of, okay, well, what started the using that made you feel like you had to reach for this to get some support or coping, but also then now that you're in it and you're dependent on it, how about we have a little bit of empathy and compassion for where you're at and try to provide, you know, support to get you out of this dependent relationship with the substance. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that is really powerful too, to to help them explore in a safe space without judgment. Mm -hmm. Like let's Mm -hmm. explore why you're doing this. Let's explore your motivations and let's explore um, ways that we can make better choices, you know, and, and with acknowledging that yes, in fact, you are physically dependent and let's look at ways to deal with that too. Yeah. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, every January we have dry January for alcohol that so many Americans and, and people and adults participate in. And a lot of people, you know, of course I'll see on social media, but like a lot of people will post reflections on it and think about it and go, Hey, you know, I never really realized this. Like maybe I'm not fully dependent on this, but taking a break from it, I've realized X, Y, and Z, you know what I mean? And just being, Mm -hmm. you know, looking at those observations and being kind and compassionate to yourself. Like, I think we should give the same to 
kids, you know? I mean, they're being marketed to, we talked about it. They're being so marketed to, they're being so targeted. And really, if you really think about it, if I'm 11, 12, 13 years old, and somebody's like, hey, you can buy this stick that tastes like cotton candy from Wawa and blow cool smoke out of your mouth, like, yeah, if I'm a tween or a young teen, that sounds pretty cool to me. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. and I don't, maybe I don't know any better. Maybe I haven't learned about it. Maybe I don't know really what the risk is there. Right. So it does, it does take us back to that important, that education conversations it piece. Does. And, um, but I also think it takes us back to with Selena, what we talked about with all substances, the complexity of this and that, um, that how do we help? You know, how do we do this? And, and when Selena's talking about cessation groups and the content and the conversations and the reflections and how important that is, I think it also points out that simply um, disciplinary actions are not are, are not going to help because of the complexity of this and the strong addiction and everything we've talked about in these two episodes that says just just one disciplinary action cannot possibly overcome what has now happened to the user Mm -hmm. in terms of the addiction and the complexity of withdrawal and, and the brain consequences and the long-term consequences. So what are our expectations that this can be fixed? Yeah. Because we've said, this is how we're going to, we're going to simply discipline you and then you're going to be good to go. Because nobody with any substance is good to go because they've been disciplined or corrected. Yeah. in I mean, some also, manner and I think this just really speaks to when you know Chris you're saying the empathy and sort of this you know really looking at the how how complicated this issue is for we're talking about you know people kids under, they're under 25 yeah. how do we have these expectations that they're just going to stop ask anyone you know if you look at adults and we have difficulty stopping you know it's like hey stop doing x stop eating that start doing this Adults aren't able to do that on the spot. Why do you think youth are able to? Because you corrected them right. or disciplined them. It's so illogical. Mm-hmm. Just it's another one of those things I don't under I don't understand. You know, and oftentimes they're confused because sometimes when they get caught at school or when they that's the first time they've tried to stop. Oh. So they're 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 confused by how hard it is. You know, yeah. they're so and then and then they're left in this space where they're being told like you can't do this, mm-hmm. but they don't have any tools. They have right. no knowledge as to how to stop this behavior um, because they didn't even think they had a problem until they were told they had a problem. They were told that they had a problem, and yeah. you did something really bad here, and we need you to stop this right yeah. now. Right. So it's over. Yeah. Good luck with that. Yeah. Approach. Yeah. Interesting. This is wild. There's mm-hmm. been so over these past two episodes, like I know Selena. I mean, you. I think you might be our most. You and Sarah are tied for for oh. three times of episodes. Three guests, three times. Um, Coming yeah. in again. I'll- but yeah, no. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing thank all you, of this with you. us. It's yes. just it really makes you think about a lot of different things, but also just like. Holy moly, like this nicotine is just such an, and THC and all of it is such a different animal now. And you just, you just have to be aware and you have to have these conversations early, which I feel like we are just a broken record when we say that early all the time. Early and often, yeah, but, early you know, and often. But it really is like very important, especially tied into this mental health and how it really is all tied together. So yeah, it's very okay. good. I'm, I'm hoping, good. I hope we get lots of folks to listen to this. So thanks for taking the Thank time you. to chat with us, Thank Selena. You. 
It's my pleasure. Thank you. So thank you everyone for joining us today. You will find information and links to everything we talked about in our show notes for this episode. Um, Be sure to click subscribe or follow in your podcast app so you can stay up to date on our latest episodes. And if you are liking our podcast, we would love it if you would share it with a friend, a fellow parent, someone you feel like really needs to know and be up to date on all of this vaping information. We would love all of the sharing and shout outs is very appreciated. So we will talk to you in two weeks. Bye.